The following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcast Network. For advertising information or to find more great podcasts, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com and follow us on Twitter at RealTheUnderdog. You're listening to the Underdog Sports NBA Show. Cross green. With host Tyler Laurie and Zandrick Ellison. <laughs> Brought to you by Underdog Sports. Tune in every week as Tyler and Zan recap the biggest storylines and news in the NBA. Welcome to episode 97 of the Underdog Sports NBA show. I am Tyler Laurie and I'm joined as always by my co-host on the left coast, Zandrick Ellison. Zan, before we start... Any sirens in your area this time? You made it safe. No, Is everything it's, good? It's been quiet. Um, and it's so it's such a nice relief to talk basketball and dig into like the NBA again, especially in a time there's so much else going on that's important, but it's just like depressing in a lot of ways. So it's it's nice to have something that you can actually get excited about. Do you think the potential for I guess like the politic like protests and like politics in the NBA is gonna ruin it, or do you think the NBA is gonna make people stay away from it like you think the nba is concerned about that as its image as it is kind of like the wokest league if you will in terms of like their players do you think that's something that the nba is going to say like hey we fought really hard to get back like we kind of want to just make it about no i think it'll become like a theme i mean like it feels like 10 years ago but when kobe bryant died i thought that was going to be like a big theme in the playoffs like you know mamba mentality let's do this for kobe and now i feel like every team is going to somehow acknowledge it and um bring it up a lot uh understandably so i mean yeah. like i don't know the percentages like what percentage of the league is actually black is it 80 percent? a know. lot i would say more i don't know if it's more than that i don't know the demographics either and also to be clear neither one of us is saying it's a bad thing just more talking about no if totally. that is i mean how could you not theme. at yeah. this point well it's just you would expect it more from the nba than maybe say like the NHL, because like you said, the demographics are, are different and the, the fan demographics are quite different. But it's, it's just interesting because we are kind of on the precipice of getting a ton of sports back, right? Like in July, we're going to get MLS back. Nobody really cares about soccer, but like we're also going to get the NHL back. We're going to get the NBA back. At some point, you would assume baseball is going to come back and then all of a sudden football season is around the corner. So, you know, most people complain, right, Zan, about like June, July and August until football comes back. And all of a sudden, like, September might be the craziest sports month ever, like September and October. It could be insane. So, well, you know what else I thought was an interesting sea change? You know, famously, Michael Jordan like stayed out of politics. And, um, you know, LeBron's been sort of the opposite, you know, you know, picking and choosing to some degree, but mostly being active and involved. And now Jordan's doing the same. You know, he just came out and donated, he's been speaking out. I wonder if there's some sort of competitive element to that where he wants to be more of an advocate than LeBron, but either way, it's become the norm that you would speak out. It's not like, you know, like 20 years ago, they were supposed to stay away from this kind of stuff. Now I think they get pressure to do it. And it's kind of seen as odd if you do not support like this cause, at least. Yeah. We've seen definitely, I mean, not, this is not the same sport, obviously, but like Trevor Lawrence, Clemson quarterback, for those of you who are living under a rock, like came out and tweeted about it. And Dabo Sweeney has not said anything. And I think people have been very critical of Dabo not commenting. And I kind of fall, I think Zan, you and I are in similar type thought process that like a lot of people are like, oh, if you say nothing, you're part of the problem. But I think if you say, if you're not advancing the conversation, like you don't necessarily need to claim yourself as like not a racist or like, you know, I, I agree with you, but it's, it's such like a trap. Like, yeah, all the time I've seen that like silence is you're part of the problem if you're silent. And then if you speak up, they're like, you shouldn't be speaking. Like it's, you're not, you're not, it's, isn't your place to speak. So it, it is just like looking for reasons to criticize people. And the thing not to, this is getting off topic a little bit, but at, it's frustrating as like a white, guy liberal guy in LA like most of my friends are similar and they're you know very woke and his post like the most obnoxious like self-righteous tweets like I had a friend who um just posted on Facebook saying let me tell you something like I'm against racism and I just want all my friends to know if you're racist then I don't want to be your friend anymore because that's just a stand I believe in so unfriend me if you support racism but it's like, like how okay, many people, yeah, like, like how uh, many people are walking around announcing that they're racist and that you're friends with it like that's right. very weird I'm like and if 
if like self-righteous tweets from white people like cured racism like we're almost there right um, and this is this is very cynical on its own right but i do think like with michael jordan like 100 million dollars to social programs like 10 million a year for the next 10 years like that's a huge win you know just like with colin kaepernick back you know donating a million i think he donated 12 million dollars right he donated like a million dollars a month or maybe it was a hundred thousand dollars a month e- either way like he donated a lot of money to 12 different programs and like that stuff's like a massive, massive win for this, you know, I wouldn't even say it's like a movement. Like it's, it's not, it's something that's been around for a long time and it's, it's finally garnering, you know, much more it's eyeballs. It's tangible and, like yeah. results. Like my, my complaint with Colin Kaepernick's protest was not that he didn't have very to do it. It's just more like, what are you like specifically pushing for? I mean, aside just like anti-racism, um, like, and now there are actually like, you know, ideas being floated that could help reform the police department or help them adapt. I think that's good. I think that, I think it, we're j- trending in a positive direction. And I think it, like, w- at least you and I, and I think most of our listeners are probably young, um, are and, and in the same place. It's just a matter of like, we all want to get to the same place. It's just like the debate is like how to do it without and, like, you know, and, the, and that's where I think with this, NBA in a bubble scenario in Walt Disney World, which we are going to get to. We're going to discuss all the teams kind of vying for that, the play-in spot on this episode. And then we're going to talk a little bit about the home court advantage, things the NBA have floated. But I think with this, you, you do get an opportunity because so many eyeballs are going to be on it. Like, I do agree with you, Zane. I think, like, you know, a guy like LeBron, like, he's probably cool with it, right? Like, he's all right with the pressure of it, and, and he's probably ready to make a statement. His PR team and stuff have been working. But I bet there's a lot of guys that are like, what am I supposed to do? Like is every interview supposed to bring it up? And I think there's some guys that are really going to be excited about that and, and furthering it. And I think there's some other guys that are like, man, I just want to play basketball, but you, you're right. right. You're, you're it's, under- it's hard not to address. And so yeah. I would apologize to people listening saying like, I just want to hear talk about basketball teams. I don't want to hear these two guys talk for 20 minutes about politics, but it's, it's just hard to avoid. What are you, what are you uh, going to do? Like at some point they intersect and, and we know in the NBA, you bring stuff like this up like it's going to happen it's like we can't just always stick to sports and i don't well, even let's I don't get into it though because i mean let, yeah. let's get more into it because i don't All think right, i'm so, tuning in for this so here's the here's the play in tournament right because it is a little bit goofy like so there's 22 teams essentially obviously that's six more than a standard playoff would be right so that anybody who's within six games of the eighth spot is is invited right and and we've kind of speculated on here before that it's you know, you got some heavy hitters that the NBA wants to see down there. Your Damian Lillard's, your Zion's, your John Morant's, who might have made it anyway. But like, you know, guys that, that people are considered needle movers, they maybe weren't going to make the playoffs. So the league has decided to... I, I think it's like 90% Zion, by the way. I would not necessarily disagree. So here's all we know about it right now, right? You, you go in with your normal record and you're playing, I believe everybody's playing five games. Is that right? Uh, you play like eight that. regular season games. The 22 teams will but play only eight against each season. other, only against each other. Correct. Right. And it still will determine seating. Like, let's just say the Lakers went zero and eight, like, and lost the one seed. Like that could happen. Like that's, it's not going to happen. And, but. and it's, but it's very important. You mentioned that because not towards the top, Milwaukee and the Lakers are fine, but like Utah's at four and they're only, you know, one win up from Dallas at seven. So correct. like that, the, the middle is going to matter a lot. Yeah. So then this is, this is sort of it. the, Anybody within four games of the eighth seed after the eight games will advance to a play-in tournament. If no team is within four games, the eighth seed automatically clinches a playoff spot. That's likely to be the case in the East, where the Wizards are six games back of Orlando. And they have an, a relatively easy schedule, which we'll get into, but it seems like that's probably going to be the case in the East, and they've set this up for this West play-in tournament. Uh, the eighth and ninth seeds will play in a double elimination tournament that gives the team with the better record the advantage. The ninth seed would have to beat the eighth seed twice to take its spot, while the eighth seed would only have to win once. So I guess the the things that I'm not quite sure about, Zan, are like what if every team in the – I guess it's impossible for every team in the West to finish within four games of the eighth spot based on schedules. Yeah, I mean like what are the – I don't know the tiebreakers. Like New Orleans and Sacramento right now have the exact same record, 28 and 36. So what if they end with the same record? Is there another playing game from them? I don't know that. So that I do not have information on right now. So forgive me for my my – poor research on that i don't i've just been going off like what we've seen from Shannon it's confusing it, it's you know what like i'll say this about the the system i think it's confusing and it's hard to communicate but in general it actually seems creative and good i think this is a good solution you know we've debated a lot on the show and outside of the show it kind of makes sense to me i think i think this is practical and it is a way to you know 
even if it's just a way to get Zion games in there, it, it sort of feels like foreplay before, you know, before the playoffs start. You want to have a little warm up. I'm with you. I actually think, I, truthfully, I've talked to you before about how I, I don't know that this is really the most necessary thing. I understand people have to make money, but like making people and their family go to Disney World and staying there and having like restrictions, like you can't leave the resort, you can play golf and you can go to these restaurants, but you can't do this. It, it seems like maybe a little bit overkill, but I get it. People want sports and it's entertainment. And if the players are overwhelmingly in favor of it, then that's fine. They've already said they're not going to make people play who don't want to. Like, so if, if you don't want to play, you don't have to. And, and we'll see about that, I think, because there are probably going to be some guys that maybe don't want to and probably don't get paid if you don't play. Right. But so I, I think that this is good. I think it's a good way to generate some interest. I think it's a, like you said, it's, it's probably let's get Zion there. He's more, he's more healthy. And like this way we get a chance to get the national media on him because I mean, think about this, Zan, like, this is probably going to be as watched as like, I mean, this will be way more watched than like a regular Wednesday night game. Right. Cause we've never really Not seen. Totally. Do you remember a couple years ago? Was it a tiebreaker game to, when it was Denver? Denver Minnesota? And it just was whoever won was in the playoffs. Like it okay. was, so it wasn't an extension. It was just like, it happened that way. Yeah, correct. Um, but it was great. I watched that game. It was one of the most memorable games of that regular season, obviously. And, and I, I thought it was like a game seven in a way, you know, an elimination game. Um, so I'd be curious about this. So let's talk about the East really quick because there's only three teams fighting for two spots. So it's pretty easy. And as you mentioned, they're way up on, on Washington. But Brooklyn's at seven right now. They're one half game up on Orlando at eight. I think it would be key for those teams, not that they really have eyes to win the playoffs, but you know, in terms of winning a game or two. Isn't it key to get up to that seventh spot? Because you'd much rather play Toronto than Milwaukee, I would guess. Yeah, I don't think, you know, and, and here's the thing with, with these three teams, Orlando is probably, I would say, just it, at, at full strength, right? Yeah, obviously, Brooklyn doesn't count. Like, we're not going to see Kevin Durant. We're not going to see Kyrie Irving. Like, they're just, they're not playing. We don't know about Jonathan Isaac yet. It seems like he's not going to be ready to play. And if that's the case, then Orlando is significantly weaker than they would be without their best defender and one of their better overall players. And the Wizards just don't guard anybody. I don't, I don't know that any of these three teams – you don't want to play Milwaukee, but, like, do any of these three teams have a chance to beat Toronto either? I doubt it. Maybe Orlando at full strength with their length and def- right. defense. No. Like, I just ranked all the teams that I thought, and one through nine. And um, just in terms of the East, Washington was last just because their defense has been so terrible this year. So bad, yeah. Orlando was third worst, and Brooklyn was fourth worst. So – they're just sort of limp. I actually think the reason I rank Brooklyn highest is look, they're, they're down Kyrie. They're down Kevin Durant, but like they do have some familiarity playing without those guys. They did it yeah. last year. And I don't know how big of a downgrade Spencer Dinwiddie is from Kyrie Irving in the first place, to be honest. Well, it's not necessarily Spencer Dinwiddie, right? right. Like it's, it's that you have to give minutes to like Spencer Dinwiddie's backup, right? right. Like that's, that's more the issue is you don't get to play them both together and he doesn't get to be your sixth man. But I, I think you think, bro, I, I don't know, like without Jonathan Isaac, I kind of agree with you that this is a situation where it's just like, who's the, the, these three teams are just not very good. Like, I don't even think like Washington, I don't even think Washington wanted to play. It sounds like Brad Beal's not a huge fan of it. I actually listened to his, uh, all the smoke interview, like him, it, that podcast that Matt Barnes and Steven Jackson do. And Matt Barnes is actually, really impressive. Like he's very, very good at it, but that, you know, Beal was kind of talking about what it would be like, like we've talked about on the show before about like, what if somebody tests positive, like, do we know how safe it is? And he's been one of the more outspoken players on if this is necessary. And I, I just don't even know why they're there. So my, like, if you're Washington, why wouldn't you just play your young guys? Right? Like, are you, I mean, maybe you want to make the playoffs for financial reasons, but you're not getting home games out of it. So what does it matter for a team like Washington? I would say yeah. it matters for Scotty Brooks, you know, yeah, maybe maybe. Hot seat. Um, I, you know, fringe guys, maybe like, I remember like they had been playing Isaiah Thomas for a lot and then they cut him cause he, he's terrible. Um, but like, say you're, I think their point guards now are like Ish Smith and Shabazz Napier and like guys like that. Like that's correct. That is what it is they're fighting for relevance as a, as a player in the league, right? Like if you're Shabazz Napier, like maybe you play well in this sort of televised sport and you get a decent contract, you know, like I think it matters for players like that more than so than organizations who have to be smart enough to realize we're probably not going to make it. 
if we make it, we're probably going to lose in four or five games. Yeah. Um, it doesn't really matter, but I think it's hard for the individuals to feel that and way. And the other thing too, will be like Brad Beal's quest to make all NBA. Like he's averaging 30 points a game. Does he come back? And if he has like eight crazy good games and bumps his average up a little bit more, and maybe they go five and three, but more people get to see him. Does Brad Beal get onto that third team all NBA for the next? That's a great point. Like how extension? much is that going to swing? like awards yeah like well not to jump ahead to the west but like zion leads the team to the playoffs like does that jump him in rookie of the year over john moran even though he's only played 25 games and maybe maybe it's like so like you know recency bias it probably it it probably will like i said because you you have all these writers we we happen to make a joke with another friend about wouldn't it be better would it be better if the electoral college like elected all-star or uh end of season awards but the bottom line is like a lot of NBA team writers that vote for these awards, they only see their team, right? Like they see their team and then they might see, like if you're on the West, you see Brad Beal twice a year, right? So now all these writers are going to be like descending on Disney World to be able to watch everything. Maybe, I think like actually some some opinions of players could very much change in the media because I think you're going to get yeah. a chance, you know, in the playoffs, a lot of people cover it or they watch it on TV, but you don't see regular regular season games. So just these eight games for these 22 teams, like it could be pretty important for... It, it's sort of like a mini um, NCAA tournament. And then you yeah. see a guy like Shabazz Napier, oddly enough, who, you know, breaks out and, and like has a reputation, like blows up because he played well in the tournament. Um, and it could be the same here. And uh, that's why I always like never liked the idea of like a playoff, you know, waiting till after the playoffs to name MVP. I've heard that mentioned before. Cause I'm like, it would just be recency bias. Like last year, like Kawhi Leonard would be named MVP because he won the title, even though yeah. he hadn't been the best player all season long. And, and it's I not think- a it's not a playoff award, right? Like it's right. a it's most valuable player over the course <coughs> of the season. But I mean, clearly Kawhi Leonard was the most valuable player in the playoffs. Like Right. But I just don't like folding them in. So I just hope that as much as I love like Zion, like John Morant's played what sixty games. I mean, I it would be it would be kind of lame if like he gets swept up because he lost like a playing game at the last thing. You know, I think it would be criminal if Zion won Rookie of the Year, just right. in the sense that like, yes, I think he's better than John Morant, and it's been exciting to watch him, and it will, he will be one of the biggest draws in this. Like, but it's I mean, Memphis is in the race because of John Morant. Like, Zion isn't the reason that New Orleans is – I mean, they're the reason they're getting invited here, right? But they're not the reason that New Orleans is, like, has the record that they have. And it probably won't affect, wouldn't you say, MVP? Because it seems like Giannis is locked in number one. Lakers are locked in number one. Home court, I don't think people care that much about, obviously. Um So is that, like, set? Is there is the MVP race pretty much over? You've already picked your horse. I I thought Giannis was had won going away. Like I thought it was over. Like I thought like Giannis had won. I have seen. I don't know if like in this kind of media climate that we've talked about, I'm not sure if people are like, no, 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 LeBron's going to win, or like we think LeBron should win because there's nothing else to write about. Like I think Zion has very clearly been the best player in the league. I don't think it's particularly close. I think LeBron has probably been the second best player in the league. I think there's some other guys that have like some claim to it like I think Luca Harden Anthony Davis if you want like I think they have some claim to it as well but like I don't know like I think LeBron could put on a show here and like you said like pump his narrative a little bit and he could probably get votes because like I think yeah I I think it's set though I think it's gonna be Giannis will win and it'll be closer than it should be probably I would be really surprised if LeBron won I I think I would be really surprised maybe nothing really surprises you but I, I would say like in this case I would imagine. Orlando ends up getting the seven seed, I think. Just because. yeah. So so let's say you're Toronto. Matchup wise, you're you're the coach. You're the basketball expert. You're Toronto. You know you played above your weight. You're the second seed somehow. Do you have a preference, Brooklyn or Orlando? Yeah, I would probably rather play. That's a really good question. I think Orlando is a little bit better at full strength. Now I've said before, I don't really know. If Jonathan Isaac was healthy, I'd rather play Brooklyn for sure. I think Jonathan Isaac is that good. But I I, I definitely think Brooklyn is – I think Brooklyn has kind of been like 
tailing off. Like they've they've played pretty badly. Jacques Vaughn's only coached two games. Like we don't know how the rest. Two and of them, though. Yeah, he is two and zero. That that is true. They were so excited to get it. Yeah, but didn't they beat the Lakers right before the season shut down? <laughs> yeah, that's good. and he also coached in Orlando a while ago. Remember that he? Yeah, got so fired. he's going to feel pretty good about things. But I, I feel like Orlando is better. I feel like in this setting, a team that can really do one thing well is going to be harder to, I think, prepare for, if that makes sense. Like, if you're just, like, a pretty good team, but, like, you don't do anything spectacularly, and teams don't have to really adjust and, like, try to figure out a way to beat you, I think you're easier to defeat, if that makes sense. Cause, like, no, it does. I would look at it a different way, though, because I think there's more variance with Brooklyn because, you know, they have some shooters, and, you know, maybe Joe Harris hits four out of six in one game. Yeah. Orlando's yeah. just so offensively limited. I just think they're going to give you, like, a six out of ten every night. And a decent team should be able to beat that four times. Ironically, though, isn't not Orlando, even a six out of ten. Probably like a five out of ten, to be honest. It's funny. It's funny. This is this is a good argument, and I remember in fantasy football always having this argument with people where like you could have two players, and one finishes with three hundred points, and one finishes with three hundred points, but one guy got three hundred points in eight games, and one guy got three hundred points in fourteen games. Like, who's the better player, right? Because Brooklyn is a twenty third in offense, and Orlando's twenty fourth. So the difference between the two actual offenses is very nominal. But you're saying you would rather have what you think is the more explosive offense just in a higher variance format. Yeah, you know, you might be right because I, I didn't realize that Brooklyn was that low, 23rd, because they just haven't really, you know. Spencer Dinwiddie's not really a three-point shooter, so it's really, I'm just thinking of Joe Harris, and, and the rest of the team is not that good. It's just like they're just sort of solid. Maybe there are that sort of low-variance, mediocre team locked in anyway. But they, they are... Lost- they lost Wilson last year four one. Right, so. Wilson Chandler's healthy, or Wilson Chandler's back. Right, he he had played like yeah, thirty games. Karis Levert, Karis Levert's healthy, right, and then so really the only like they're fully healthy with the exception of Durant and Kyrie, and like you said, this is and and DeAndre Jordan had been pretty good. They're very good defensively as well. Well, you know what their problem is? I'm mean, looking at the Basketball Reference. Shout out to them. I think of them as a three point shooting team because they shoot a lot of threes. They, they shot the not, fifth though. most. And they've made a rate 26 best. So they're, they're not good at it, but they do jack up threes at least. Yeah, these two teams actually in their current like iterations are, are pretty similar. Like Orlando and Brooklyn are like pretty similar statistical profile teams if you're just going to look at it. But your point is, I, I mean, Orlando's like athletic though. Like you got Markel Fultz, like, you know, Fournier's good. Vucevic is good. Like, Gordon can, you know. I think they're actually a good matchup relatively for Milwaukee. I mean, you know, good for them against Milwaukee because they do have bodies that they could, like, you know, try to throw at Giannis. If Isaac plays, especially. Realistically, though, we would expect. So let's let's predict, like, say Milwaukee plays. You know, Milwaukee's either one of these series goes one. Yeah, yeah, neither one of these series goes beyond five. I would be really surprised, at least. Like, maybe Orlando gets sneaks an extra game or something. But, like, Brooklyn is tough, and, like, they, they play hard, and they're chippy. But, I don't know, without Kenny Atkinson, I just don't think Jacques Vaughn is very good. I think that matters in this format because you are going to need to play games a little bit quicker. So, you so are going to have to – Riddle me this and just about the format. Maybe you don't know specific. So, right now, it's Brooklyn and Orlando about five games up on Washington, four games up. So, yeah. if Washington's locked in at nine – are they still going to have a chance to win two games and make the playoffs? Unless they're more, if they're four games back or uh, less. Okay, so they might yes. be eliminated. So if they're six games back like they are now, they don't get to play in the play-in tournament. But if they're four games back or not, then they'll get to play. A, I hope a, they make it. I like you know, it'd be I love fun. The tournament, the yeah. tournament would be good. Yeah. All right, let's okay. do the West. Let's do the West because the West is actually interesting, and you have some. The West some, is super interesting. Let me just run down the teams as they stand right now. So it's Lakers at one. Up by like five against the Clippers and Denver, a three. They're pretty close. Utah, four. This is really tight. Every team with 40 wins. Oklahoma City at five. Houston at six. Dallas at seven. Then a large gap with the play-in teams. Memphis, eight. Portland's nine. New Orleans, 10. Sacramento, 11. Spurs, 12. And Phoenix still hanging in there at 13. Those are the teams that are going to be eligible. Yeah, so you actually have these ranked. You have, let's, with the play-in teams, I just want... I just want to go over your ranking really quick of least likely to make an upset and, and most likely. So we'll just say right. this is kind of how you have the play-in teams ranked right now. And, and it West. was in terms of like if they make it. So, Correct. you know, like it's, I, Phoenix would, is so far back that it might be hard right. to make it. But if they made it, would they be dangerous? All right. So you have them ranked in this order. Phoenix. Last of the yep, West. Yeah. Phoenix last. Memphis second to last. Spurs third to last. Sacramento fourth. 
New Orleans fifth, and then Portland you have as the most likely team, which I, uh, yeah, I mean, you I read that I, in an odd way, but yeah, basically. Yeah, um, sorry, Portland most likely, and then on down. So Portland one, New Orleans right. two. And I, my like sort three. of summation was like, I think Portland and New Orleans, like this is my big picture. Like Portland and New Orleans are to me by far the most dangerous teams. And then maybe Sacramento, I would say is best of the rest. That's more debatable, but I don't see any team besides Portland or New Orleans winning a series. Right. And we just got news. I don't know if it came out today or or I don't know like when it actually came out, but Marcus Aldridge is done for the season. So he is, uh, he is not playing in this. I mean, who else do we know that is definitely not playing because that's a big part of it. Like, with Portland, you know, are they getting Zach Collins back? Like, are they, are you know, they Nurkic, how, can he Nurk- play 20 minutes? Exactly, because, like, that Portland team is a lot better than the team that's, what, 29 and – I don't even know what Portland's 29 and 37. 29 and 37, yeah. Yeah, they've just been so thin and they were so injured. And so if you can get, you know, Zach Collins back for 20 minutes, you can get Nurkic back for 15 minutes or something, it would help. Because I haven't seen – I haven't seen a ton of information on injury news and we don't know just yet. Like we know, like, for example, like Utah Bogdanovich is not playing. Like we know that, but I don't feel like people have been talking about it because we haven't really heard about like, Oh man, what's going to happen? Like, is everyone going to come back? But that like significantly weakens mm-hmm. Utah to the point where like, if they're the seven or eight seed, you know, McCollum. Yeah. Collins is going to play. Collins is going to play when they start to practice again. And I don't, I haven't seen anything. Rodney hood is not going to play. I've heard Nurkic is, they said he's healthy, but like they have Hassan Whiteside. So maybe they don't need to risk it with him this year. I don't know. Carmelo Anthony. They still have Carmelo. It's amazing to look like just, this is going to sound so stupid to say, but it's like amazing to look and see and remember like players are on certain teams. And I hate to say that, but like when you're just not really thinking. Yeah. So Nurkic was going to play before the season shut down. Like they had made a decision like, all right, he's going to play against the Rockets. And then he just did not play in that game, right? Yeah, so he did not play. And that was, like, the last game. So that's – because, like, I, I think that Portland is – and they're battle-tested, Zam. Like, they're playoff team. Like, them right. against the Lakers in the first round would be a very fun series. Well, and also you mentioned the Lakers because the Lakers are basically locked into one. And so all these teams are fighting for the eighth spot. So maybe that's a better way to frame it. Like you're the Lakers. Does Portland, I mean, does Phoenix have any chance of beating you? How could Phoenix beat the Lakers? I don't see it. Do you see it at all? No, Spurs, I don't see. Sacramento and Memphis are slightly interesting because they have quick point guards. Maybe that gives them problems. I could see that. But realistically, I think it's Portland and, Mem- and New Orleans. So here, here are the, uh, the schedules really quick for these teams because I, I do think that part is... Very interesting because Portland, so Portland has to play, they only have four games against teams that are actually in this. So Portland kind of catches the raw end of the deal, right? Because they had four games against bad teams to end it if they were going to play. So they have the Grizzlies, the Rockets, the Mavs, and the 76ers. But then they also get like the Celtics, Nets, Lakers, Heat, or Magic. And like that kind of sucks. So it seems like Portland's probably not going to get in. Like, because, you know, if you have a really easy schedule, like you kind of coast, right? How can it be an easy schedule? These are all playoff teams, right? Yeah, exactly. Like Memphis has has Portland, Utah, San Antonio, Oklahoma City, Milwaukee, New Orleans, New Orleans, Celtics. So my guess is it's going to end up being Memphis or New Orleans just because they play each other. But twice. you need an eight and a nine. Yeah, I, I mean this. They'll they've set this up that there should definitely be a play in tournament. In yes, the it would be really hard not to have a ninth seed qualify um, unless Memphis goes eight and zero or something. Yeah, I think, um, yeah, this. Memphis' schedule is hard. Like, so let's look at it two ways. So, so we're, we're skipping ahead to the Lakers, but say you're Memphis, you're probably locked into the eighth seed, I think. You're about three games up. It's hard to blow it, although I think it's possible because they're not that good. They were saying like Memphis can go 0-8, and, and if every other team below them goes 3-5, and five, Memphis still makes the playoff. Memphis would be the eighth seed. Yeah, I think they'll be the eighth seed. Um, is there a matchup, if you're Memphis, Portland, or New Orleans that you prefer? Boy, that's a good question. I think you'd rather play New Orleans. I just think New Orleans is a worse team, right, at the moment. Like, what New Orleans can be is not what they actually are. You know what I mean, Zan? Like, you you, you mentioned this in your write-up, but, like, everyone kind of is excited about them. But you said yourself, like, it's easy to get a little bit too excited about this particular team that does have some real flaws. 
So, and, and not a lot of t- chemistry yet. Cause like they were playing so much through Brandon Ingram at the start of the season. And then Zion comes back and do you run through him? Is he a center? Is he a power forward? And then you have all these other pieces that we talked about all season. They've never really locked in a rotation, right? They play like 12 guys, like various minutes. Like I think they have the potential, but like, can Alvin Gentry get this team with no training, no practice time to a place where they're like clicking? Meanwhile, you have a team like Portland who has, other than Hassan Whiteside, most of the guys that play major minutes on this team have played together for a pretty extended period of time and have gone deep in the playoffs together. So I would probably, Damian Lillard is the best player of these play-in potential teams. We agree there, I'm sure. Yes. And so I would probably want to just fade the best player. As good as I think Zion is and as hard as it is to game plan for him, I don't know that we're going to see a situation where it's like a winner take all. Let's get to the eighth spot. Like the nine seed wins the first game. And then like in that winner take all game, like we could see Dame get 60. I don't think we're in a scenario where we, we could see Zion get like 30, 12 and eight or something, but like, right. Well, I they have different strengths. Like Portland, if you look at it, like fight matchups, make fights like Portland, very strong at guard, obviously their center should be okay. It's just like, they're super weak at forward. They're, yeah. They're winged at, their wind depth terrible. is really bad. Like they're playing Carmelo like 30 plus minutes a night. Is that a bad Can thing? Can Memphis take advantage of that though? They don't really have anyone on the wings that's going to score. I mean, are you really worried about like Dylan Brooks beating you or something? Well, Justice Winslow, maybe. We don't know yeah. if Justice Winslow's healthy. I would assume if he's not healthy now, is he ever going to get healthy? I don't so even mean that. So if you put Memphis, I would put Memphis third on that list. Like I just think Portland's more veteran team than them. And well then, what, I, it, what's your thought on Sacramento? Because we they were the one team that was actually playing much better of this group, right? And I would extend that. I don't know how I ranked them, but I think Sacramento is a better team than Memphis. To be you honest. had Sacramento, you had Sacramento ahead of Memphis. Why yeah, is and my, that? My argument was point guards pretty similar. Maybe Jaws better already. I don't know, but like they're close. And I think Sacramento's like wings are good. Like Buddy Heald is a great shooter. Bogdan Bogdanovich is very good. Harrison Barnes can play, you know, three or four. Sean Holmes is is underrated at center. Bagley, who knows? But I, they've been getting hot. I, I just think that like their team actually kind of fits well together. And for Memphis, they don't scare me because like John Morant's good. Jonas Valanciunas is like a good center, underrated center. But I'm not scared of a center. You always say that all the time. And then Jaron Jackson Jr. is hasn't totally taken the next step up yet. I just don't know how that team beats me unless John Morant completely whips me at point guard and scores, you know, 30 points a game, which is possible maybe against the Lakers. I just don't see that against Portland. I don't see that against Sacramento. I don't see him being the best player on the court. Yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting group, right? Because Justice Winslow is supposedly going to play. Marvin Bagley, originally, it was said that he probably won't be ready, even though he's played 13 games this year. I think he is supposed to be ready at the end of July. And then, you know, those teams, along with New Orleans, they just, like, like I think I want to go with the team that I think has the best cohesion, right? And the two to me are Portland and Memphis. Those are the two teams that have played the most together. I know Memphis is going to try to integrate Justice Winslow, but... I like the teams that I know have a rotation. They know what they're doing and they kind of have an identity. And I don't feel like Sacramento has that. And I really don't feel like New Orleans has that right now. And I think in a setting where you're going to end up playing like, I mean, what I've heard is that like, they're going to play like four games in a day, right? So it'll be like one game at noon, one game at two. It'll be like Christmas day schedule. Not each team. No, no, no. It'll be like a Christmas day schedule, right? So it'll be like, eight teams play one day, eight teams play the next day, eight teams play, you know, maybe five, however they do it. But you're going to end up playing like every other day and you're going to end up playing a lot. And I think who, whichever team is one in the best shape and two has the best kind of like direction right away is going to be at a really strong advantage. And I, I like I said, I do think that's going to be Memphis and Portland because I do think those two teams have less well, of like tarmac a, to run on, if that makes sense. I have a question, a comment and a question because I think Memphis it reminds me of Sacramento because they're basically Sacramento from last year, you know, sort of an yeah. overachieving team. If you look at the advanced stats are really not as good as their record. They're not really a 500 team. They are right now, but 20th in offense, 16th in defense, below average point differential. Like they've overachieved. Um, and I think they're bound for a regression next year, like Sacramento has done this year. But I have a question for you because you mentioned this. Memphis is a young team. Sacramento is a young team. Lakers are an old team. A situation like this, long layoff, 
who does it favor? You presume the young legs, but maybe they're not in touch with like training and they don't, they're, they're not in shape and they haven't been taken seriously as LeBron maybe. Like, do, do you think there's an advantage to that in either way? I think it is, I think the old versus young thing is a very interesting argument. I've told you, I think I ranked these to you just earlier. Like, I think the layoff has been the best for the Lakers and the Clippers because they have the guys that you're not sure if they would wear down or not. And the NBA is doing their best to kind of protect that in the sense that like if the NBA finals goes to game seven, it's not going to end till mid October. So, I mean, we have what August, September, October, still two and a half months of basketball. They're going to try to spread it out for guys, you know, I don't want to say think, <laughs> LeBron, but you know what I'm right. saying? No, I told a hundred percent. Like the playing tournament is organized to help get Zion in there. I think the schedule is going to be helped. LeBron's 35. They do not want to wear him down. They do not yeah. want him to play him back to back to back or whatever. Like he's going to get as much rest and, as he needs. And to be clear, you may be saying this, but I am not saying that I think this is a conspiracy theory. No, I definitely. Don't. I think it is. I mean, I don't even think it's a conspiracy theory. And you know what? Maybe rightfully so. Like the playoffs shouldn't, the playoffs is never back to back. The playoffs is usually pretty extended. So it should continue to be so. I'm not saying it's bad. I definitely think it's a consideration specifically for LeBron. Right. But again, like I was saying, like, I think it, it, it benefits other teams just as much. Right. Cause like Paul George, who is really and good, and, but I was going to say like, people know Kawhi is good. Right. I think people just assume like, Hey, Paul George was having a great year. And like, that's not the case. Like he wasn't playing as well this year as he was last year against in Oklahoma city. And some of that might be fit, but also like his shoulders were not great. Like, and I think him getting a layoff and, and like you said, older guys know how to take care of their body. That, that is one of the things that I kind of learned. When I was working in the G League, D League back then, like veterans were very good at routines. Like they knew, like get in the gym, like, you know, it's kind of weird. Like we don't know what time we can get in. We don't know when we get in the weight room. Like these guys were very good at doing things to keep themselves in shape. And I think like a young guy, here's where my concern would be with like a John Morant, right? What if he overtrained? You know, like what if he was like, I'm going to work out six or seven days a week. And then all of a sudden you get back and you don't have as much in the tank as you think you do. It's going to be hard to do that, right? Because you're not going to be able to play. You you wouldn't have been able to really play live until recently. But like well, I'm saying, like I would. I, be, I don't know. I, I'm not super worried about that. I, I'd be more worried about like what Zion's shape like. <laughs> you know, is he big, probably? <laughs> yeah, because he you know been working his way back into shape, and I'll never forget. I had a I had somebody in the league tell me that when they saw Zion in a suit, it was like maybe it was like maybe like December, right? Like. They said in a suit, Zion looked like one of the worst athletes they'd ever seen. Just like walking around with like the butt, a shirt. Well, he also looks, walks on. Walks too, weird. Right? And I just remember him saying like, dude, he's enormous. He doesn't look like a good athlete. And then he comes back and he's enormous and he's the best athlete in the league. So it doesn't really matter. But like he, to me, is is the he's main. He's the X factor. He's the main draw, I think, for. Well, totally. You know, and like, it's, it's funny because like he's so hyped, like. You know, it reminds me of like Tim Tebow or Johnny Football or whatever. It is kind of like that. But I think his impact is actually legitimate. Um, he's really good. I mean, he's really, yeah. really good. And I, I mentioned this in my write-up, but like, and I've said it before on the show, but it bears repeating. Like he's, it's not just like dunking. Like there's certain like, you know, like you hear people have like show muscles at the gym and they're not really that tough. And there's certain like show dunkers, I think, like Malik Monk or Miles Bridges. They're good dunkers in a dunk contest, but it doesn't really matter in the game. Miles My- Bridges is a pretty good game dunker. He just doesn't do anything else. Well. Yeah, that's what I mean. But like, it doesn't come up that often. No, of course. And and even Zion's not dunking every play. It's it's just like what he's so good at is like just finishing. You yeah. know, like even on layups <laughs> or like getting hacked, and then he still like gets the gets the hook in or whatever. Or, or I, like I when he misses, this, he misses a layup and he gets his offensive rebound and scores right. it anyway. It was like they were scoring like 75% on Zion Williams, like post touches, post touches, which mean, like, like shouldn't happen. Well, I mentioned this, like the stat at Duke. At Duke on two point field goals, so taking out threes, he made 75%. That's insane. And Shaq, by contrast, in college made 61%. And, and so far in, in NBA, he's made about 60% of his field goals on twos. And as you mentioned, that doesn't even factor in his mm-hmm. offensive rebounds. So, um, he is like a beast. I mean, like he just might be like a top 20 player right away. And like, which of these teams can he do the most damage against? Like Portland, Memphis, and Lakers, let's say. Like if you're Zion and you, you're Zion's team, which of these teams can he like single-handedly beat on his own? 
I, mean, I don't know if he can single-handedly no, beat I Manny. Know, but, like, what's the, he going to look the best? The against? matchup would be the best against, like, okay, his success would probably be the best against Portland, I think, just because, like, Zach Collins is not going to be able to guard him. Whiteside, they're going to drop Whiteside, but he's going to be a better jumper than Whiteside. He's going to play harder than him. Maybe Nurkic is, is pretty good, but I would say Portland, just in the sense that you need kind of, like, a bigger wing, or you need, like, Memphis has, like, Brandon Clark, who – can't really guard him, but he's kind of very similar. He can bother him. Jaron Jackson can bother him a little bit. Like, Valanciunas, no shot. But the best matchup would be them against the Lakers in the first round, right? Because you have, like, Brandon Ingram and Lonzo Ball against, like, LeBron. But then you also have Zion against LeBron. And, like, we already saw it once, and it was a lot of fun, right? Because you also, like, what are they going to do? Like, Anthony Davis doesn't want to guard Zion in a seven-game series. Like, that. you're, you're going to get – he's not going to, like, hurt you, but, like, he, you're going to feel Zion Williamson in a seven-game series. And I think well, that and that's why, be- yeah, you, you, you pointed out like they're not a one man team by any stretch. Like that's, what's so interesting about new Orleans to me and why I think they're dangerous. It's not like they think they're good <laughs> right now, but like they just have so many pieces of like the jigsaw puzzle that don't, don't really yeah. make sense yet. But like, I think Derek favors is pretty good as a defender. I think very you know, good defender. Yeah. Yeah. And you have Ingram who can play well. Lonzo's playing better. Josh Hart's pretty good. Drew Holiday's good, obviously. J.J. Redick, they haven't been utilizing that much, but he can still shoot. Like, I just don't really trust Alvin Gentry to put it together. Um, and maybe he doesn't have time. But if it's like a if the playoffs there's like adjustments and counterpunching, like they have a lot of tools. Yeah, I, I mean, and like I said, I, I still was even a little bit surprised that like. You know, they played Nikhil Walker Alexander kind of out of the rotation, but they had some injuries like Josh Hart hadn't played a ton of games like JJ Redick was hurt favors hadn't played a whole season so like I do think that this particular team has a lot of guys that they can they can play right like they they do have a good group they have a good honestly like this sounds insane but like they have a pretty good group to guard LeBron like that's that's kind of right. where like you know Portland doesn't really have that like you had Al Farouk Aminu back in the day like that that was useful like Memphis yeah like you can Brandon Clark can can kind of do it you know, you do have Justice Winslow if he's healthy. You, you got rid of Jay Crowder, who actually does an okay job on LeBron just in terms of holding him down. But, like, Memphis, like, Josh Hart is not quite big enough. Drew Holiday is not quite big enough. But those guys are really good perimeter defenders. Like, you can throw Ingram on him and hope the length bothers him a little bit. Like, you know, you do have Derek Favors to anchor your defense, who's who's pretty damn good in that role. And then, like, you probably get Zion on him a good bit, too. And, like, they, they have a chance for sure because they do, like you said, have a lot of bodies. Yeah, and, you know, they can go big and small. Like you mentioned, Derek Favors probably underrated at this point. Um, I just looked up offensive-defensive rating. So it's like how many points you score per 100 possessions when you're on the court, when you're off the court. Derek Favors is plus 18. You know, the offense has been really good with him, 126. The defense has been above average, 108. And so, like, that's another option. So you could play Zion at the five, which you think he might be best at. But you can also go big. And if you go big, you have long wings too. Or you can go small and, and just put up like melee and then like Reddick and all these shooters. Um, I don't know if they can take advantage. I think like if you're looking at the weakness of the Lakers, like what would you say? Maybe age. I would say like the, if I'm the Lakers fan, like my Shooting. fear is like overplaying Rondo maybe. Um, but I don't know if, you know, New Orleans can take advantage of that. No, and again, I, I think like that's why that's why Damian Lillard obviously is the yeah. most intriguing to me because like he can win a series by himself. I don't think Zion can do it yet. It's just because also too like we're still not seeing like Zion wasn't an amazing rebounder, like a great offensive rebounder, but not like an amazing rebounder. Like we didn't really see him defensively. He was bad. Like he didn't look very right. good. And, you know, I don't know that New Orleans has kind of figured that out yet, right? Because uh, how to win or make Zion better defensively. Now, if Zion comes back and he's in great shape and he's the defender that he is at Duke, then, you know, just take this tape and light it on fire because I'm an idiot. Right. No, but, you, you make a good point because it's like coming out of college, we compared Zion to Blake Griffin offensively, and then we thought he'd be a much better defender. He, so far, he's looked like Blake Griffin on defense. You know, he's short-armed. Blake Griffin's not a great rebounder, you know, comparatively to what you would think at this stage. And he's not a shot blocker as, as much as he should be given his athleticism. It's like maybe Zion's just not going to ever be that just because of the length is not there. And it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily 
We're not saying that that's the case. Just no, I have no idea. I mean, like he could do, come back 100% and then suddenly he's, you know, Draymond Green or whatever. He's like the best defender as well. Um, I don't nine, know. I mean, he's played 19 games, you know. It's, it's and I also like would defend him, like just watching him and about the rebounding because you're right. Like the rebounding numbers are pretty low and they were pretty low at Duke too. I mean, comparatively. And I, I think it's mostly because he just doesn't go for those uncontested defensive rebounds like other people do. Like he's very unselfish defensively, rebounding wise. Yeah, um, I, I mean, I, I think that's a very fair comment to make. Yeah, I it's just, like sort of like Stephen Adams in that way. Like he just doesn't seem to care that much. Well, you always um, want to look. I, I mean, we've debated whether or not rebounding is even really important anymore, anyway. And I, I hate to say that because, like, that's the dumbest thing to say as like a former coach. Like, ah, oh, rebounding is not important, but. You generally want to look at how my dad. My dad like always used to say, "Rebounding is the key to the game." Offensive. He's old school. You know, he was born yeah. in the forties. You, you yeah. and your, you and your dad and Jamie Dixon are, are great coaches yeah. in college. But I mean, the the point is, like, if your team rebounds well while you're on the floor, then chances are you're a net positive <laughs> in that role. You know what Can I mean? I give like, one, one like aside about my dad, who's a great guy. Um, he played high school football, and you, you know, but he played in whatever the. 50s or 60s or whatever it was and so he never really kept up to date like Tyler Laurie might be or he didn't evolve with the times more Phil Jackson than than Greg Popovich and so he would like teach me about sports but he would use like the 50s rules <laughs> so Not I was good. like a big kid and I, I don't like an offensive lineman defensive lineman he goes look look offensive lineman you're not allowed to put your hands on the opponent you have to just use your elbows and I'm like Jesus that seems hard but I guess I'll just try to block people using my forearms and elbows and I was horrible and then five years later I'm like that was not true (laughs) like I could there was a rule change in like 1965 or something where I should have been allowed to like touch the other guy um and same with rebounding like he taught me these old like outdated rebounding rules where it's like you know the ball will bounce back and supposed to going over the rim whatever I I was just like poorly trained I could have been Zion Williamson I think yeah, maybe. One thing I did forget, as we as we have talked about little things like defensively, uh, Trevor Ariza pickup for Portland is pretty good and does give them a legitimate wing defender. He he certainly can't play you know thirty to forty minutes a game and guard LeBron, but like Trevor Ariza is a pretty good wing defender. Gives him an opportunity. I think. I do think in against Memphis, like Dylan Brooks is is a pretty good defender as well, and like those are the guys that we would traditionally see in that sort of like. Yeah, high no, usage right. wing stopper. Each team has one guy, right? Like, but that's scary. It scares you. If Portland's weakness is wing forwards to play LeBron to play Anthony Davis, it's scary. It's not that. It's, it's a bad matchup defensively. Offensively, they could take advantage of the guards, and maybe Lillard scores forty points a game. It it is it is very scary. I think, and that that's the part where like. <laughs> I just don't think as exciting as I think this playing tournament will be and as exciting as I think Zion is and as exciting as I think Damian Lillard is, because he is also in his own right, one of the most exciting players in the league. You know, the Spurs, like they don't need to be there, right? Like it, it's just, they don't need to be no. there, right? Phoenix, and, and Phoenix doesn't need to be there. Like they have some good pieces, but it's just like, they just never really get their act. Like together. Sacramento doesn't need to be there. Like it, this part I, I will of the say pool, that. Can I warn you about Sacramento though? I don't think they're going to win. You know, I think they're sneaky good matchup against the Lakers. I don't know if the stats bear that out, but like Maybe. Harrison Barnes can guard somebody. He can guard LeBron ish. De'Aaron Fox can whip past Rondo. Um, and they have three point shooters. Like, like I think that's oddly like a scary team for them. Okay. But I will say that in the playoffs, here's another thing. This is probably going to be one of the more annoying parts about the Disney thing the Lakers are going to play Alex Caruso a lot and they're going to play Alex Caruso against Do we know that? Guards. They should. But and Alex Caruso they? is a good defender in his own right. So like when you're saying De'Aaron Fox is going to be better than Rondo, right. I don't think that De'Aaron Fox is going to be matched up with Rondo all that but, much. But do we know that? Every year we see we hear about playoff Rondo and then they trot him out more than they should. Like <laughs> He has been legitimately good in the playoffs sometimes. <laughs> but, Right, but you would—he's he, a potential Achilles heel, and like, do you trust Frank Vogel and LeBron pulling the strings to not play the veteran in favor of no-name Alex Caruso? Yeah, I—I I mean, I would—I ex- don't know. I hope so. I hope so. All right, let's put a bow on this right now. What, why don't you pick? Obviously, we both agree Brooklyn and Orlando in the East. Uh, I think Orlando is going to end up getting the seventh seed. Uh, and you're saying—are you thinking both those teams get swept or four-one or? I think the Bucks. 
I don't know. I don't like calling a sweep. I don't think it's like always the most likely thing. Uh, teams might be so excited to get back into it that maybe they right. are just locked in from the start. But I would be surprised. Don't think either of those series get to six games. I would say a sweep or 4-1. Against- well, I want to ask you like some more specific percentages. So like say Milwaukee plays Orlando, for example. Okay. In a normal circumstance, you would say Milwaukee would win that series 95% of the time. Yeah. Now we're playing weird circumstances. Guys might not be in shape. No home court advantage. Where does that 95% go? How 92%? I don't think it's much higher. So not a huge difference. No, I don't think it's much higher. I kind of lambasted you about your percentages because I do think with certain teams, like I I, I honestly, and this is, again, you guys can roast me like when they win the title or whatever. Like I just, the Lakers to me are a more beatable team than people think. Like I don't think that Portland would have a 40% chance of beating the Lakers, but I don't know that Portland doesn't win that series one in five times. Like, I don't know that Portland doesn't have a 20% chance. Right. So that, that's what I was going to ask you in terms of, because we agree Portland's probably the best of the playoff teams, potentially good matchup against Lakers. So you're saying their chances of beating the Lakers, 20% you said? I think 20% is fair. I think New Orleans, New Orleans would be somewhere in the mix of like 15 to 20%. I, yeah, I think there's, I, agree. I think it's more of a crapshoot because I also think those West teams are better. Like, I don't think, like the Bucks are so much better than the Nets or Orlando. It just they just are. Like it would be stunning to watch those teams win because in the NBA we just don't see upsets like that often, right? The only time as an eight seed has ever beaten a one seed in a seven game series was the I believe Warriors or whatever that beat Dallas. Like it's never happened other than that. So I can't give a huge percentage, right? But if it was going to happen, it feels like this would probably be the year because. Well, it's I just think, more. Yeah, and we're, we're focusing on the one and eight, but like you said, the seeds might be reshuffled. Right. I think it's clearly to me, if I'm a team in the West, I do not want to play Houston. I just don't trust like their small ball lineup. I think they're scary. And comparatively to like Utah, who's without Bogdanovich, and, and Dallas is still pretty young. Oklahoma City, good story, but they, they don't scare me as much. I. If I'm like the Clippers or something or Denver, I'm like, I don't want to play Houston. I I just think they're too unusual. I think you you want to catch up with them in time. I think you want to play Utah or Oklahoma City. If you're like the seven or the the two or three seed, like that's who you want to play. Even Dallas scares me a little bit just because Luke is like so good. And my concern would have been like him wearing down. And again, you get a two and a half month rest. And like, I know Jalen Brunson might not be ready to play, but like, again, I think like they're, pretty damn good like they get to integrate Willie Coley Stein a little bit more and like but again the, the one and eight seed the one seed's not changing what is right. it? LA's what five games up and Milwaukee's six right. games five up? and a half and Milwaukee's about six and a half, six and a half. Yeah. yeah I mean that's just not so happening. do your formal prediction about the what the east the Washington will get that ninth spot or will they be no, eliminated I think they'll be eliminated I don't think that, okay. that'll be a playing game I don't, I don't think so okay so now you're predicting Memphis will probably be stuck with eight and then who gets the nine? You're saying Portland? I don't know. Memphis is what? Memphis is three and a three half, and a half games up on Portland. So Memphis is three and a half games up on Portland, New Orleans, and Sacramento. Man, I really want to pick Portland and New Orleans to get the eight, nine. I guess it'll be Memphis. I don't know. It's tough. I think it'll be Memphis and New Orleans. I think Portland's schedule is probably going to end up being a little too tough. But again, so, I, w- so I want to be able Memphis. to read. Well, I want to be able to revisit this in six weeks when I know if Portland's fully healthy. Because, like, if Nurkic and Zach Collins are both going to play, then I want to be able to. But that's not our job. Our job is to wildly speculate. So, Memphis, you're saying Memphis, New Orleans, and New Orleans would have to beat them twice to make it. I think New Orleans would beat them twice. Twice in a row. And then I think, you know, we get a nice little six game series with the Lakers and the Pelicans where, let's say, how about this? Like, game five, it's, it's like. No, no, game four, it's 2-1 Lakers. How about this? This is what I think is going to happen. Game four, it's 2-1 Lakers. It's like late in the game, New Orleans is up one, and LeBron shoots nine free throws in the fourth quarter, and then they end up winning. (laughs) But don't you think, in that circumstance, say it's Memphis, New Orleans, and you're Adam Silver, like, oh, there's a play-in game. Memphis and New Orleans and Zion. (laughs) Like, you you definitely have one. You're rooting for one of those sides than the other. All right, Um, let's uh, let's shift your... I'm going to say, I'm going to say, I think... Portland, I don't know. I think it's just hard. I love the system, actually. I think it's, I think Memphis kind of got screwed by even having to do a play in game considering they're three and a half games up. Agreed. But I think having to win two in a row against them is harder than you think. I think Memphis is going to like 
bum people out and make it and then just not be a threat (laughs) and that's that's like rude to say because like john morant is probably other than maybe like devin booker like john morant is probably the third best guy of like the super exciting like young you know like your 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 damian lillard your zion williamson's like booker john morant like those guys are all really good like any one of them could be a headliner in a playoff series i guess (laughs) yeah maybe not maybe not devin booker although he is fun to watch uh real quick so we kind of teased this before, but home court advantage rules, the NBA is kicking around. I want to read these to you okay. real quick. Tell me if they are good or bad. Okay. 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 So they've kicked around like five of them. The higher seeded team is awarded the first possession of the second, third and fourth quarters following the traditional jump ball to begin the game. Good or bad. Uh, and again, like, I think this is somewhat important because like Lakers probably don't care about playing memphis but they should care about home court advantage that they would have had against houston or something or the clippers so it i think it's important to to give them some reward for winning being the one seed over 65 games i like this one i like the extra possession it might not sound like a lot but that's important enough i think i would ask you this as a coach say you're the lakers and you had the choice you get extra possession the start of each quarter or you would have traditional home court advantage you'd probably still pick home court advantage, i would pick home right? court advantage but it's, sure. a, it's something it, i think it's i think it's an i think it's a clear edge it's not unfair because they deserve it the one part about this home court advantage that's that's i think that's being undersold i guess is that there is no travel right so everybody makes a big deal like oh you want to play in your home arena you're more comfortable you get to sleep in your own bed that's true but also, you don't have to get on a plane, so you are going to be more comfortable. Yeah, you're going to be in a hotel room, but these guys do this all the time. But not having to move is, is better. So you're going to get better and better in, each, in the arena would be kind of my thought process on this. So I don't know that the lack of home court in that regard is going to hurt quite as much. I think guys are going to be pretty comfortable. They're going to be pretty well-rested. And again, not having to get on a plane is a big deal in terms of home court advantage, right? Because if you only got to get on a plane one time and you are able to win three home games, it's, it's a much bigger advantage. If you're like, let's say you're the Lakers and you're playing whatever Memphis, it's the, what, the furthest West team, probably New Orleans, I guess, maybe like you got to go back and forth a couple times like that. That sucks a little bit, right? Going to play in the Smoothie King, you're not excited to go play there. But yeah. now nobody's really, but everybody's, have- it's a level playing field. So we're trying to get to like the level of like advantage that you would have in normal circumstances. But you agree, like the extra possession. I think the extra possession is good. I think this next one's good too. Uh, Higher seeded team receives an extra coach's challenge. I think that's good. I think that that definitely matters. I think think that's bad. I just don't like coaches challenges. Here's why I think it's better though, because you're more likely to get calls at home. That's probably the one. I don't know if that's even a misnomer at this point. It always feels like you get calls at home unless you're like Dwayne Wade against... Dallas in 2006 but how many coaches so, challenges do you get to two yeah can I make a tweak to that rule I would say just take one away from the visiting team just because coaches challenges are boring it slows the game down well, and, well, I mean, they, they, yeah okay all right all right no, uh, so then those are the two that are like pretty reasonable and I think after that the NBA was like not really sure what to do but they needed more things oh you get one challenge per game so you'd have two so that's good two and one is is good to me uh so here is this one is okay i think this is a little hokey the higher seated team gets to designate one player to be allowed to be whistled for seven fouls instead of six i don't really like it i think I don't want to do things that I think change like the integrity of the game, if that makes sense. I don't think right. an extra I, possession. I think that does. I think yeah. that's unfair because it's seven fouls. Like how often do players foul out of a game anyway? Right. It's, and if you were like, say, the Lakers, I don't even know if you'd use it on LeBron because he, he doesn't get six fouls anyway. No, you'd use it on Anthony Davis yeah. for sure. Because in a game like where that. somebody like really – or maybe you'd use it on like Alex Caruso because like he's way more valuable. Like LeBron and Anthony Davis probably not going to foul out anyway. I don't know. I don't like that one. I, I think that's very poor. I don't think that'll be suggested. And then the, here are the two that kind of were like, oh, the NBA doesn't really know what they're doing. The higher seeded team is allowed to transport their actual home court from their home arena in Orlando to try to preserve the feel of the playing experience to the players. I don't know if that matters at all. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe psychologically. I, I don't think it matters either. I can't imagine. 
I've it's, never played at a high level, so I don't know. I mean, know. some courts are going to be a little bit newer, the woods, but every year, like, so it might be a little springier, but you don't know what the base underneath the floor looks like. You don't know, like, kind of what the conditions in Orlando are, and so the court's probably going to play a little bit different, even if it does get transported, I would say. But it doesn't hurt, right? I mean, like, aside from, like, being in a extra cost that they don't need there's no downside to that. no i mean it and then again it, it, it at least like on tv it'll look like that and then here's my favorite one this one is insane like this can is i just, wait can i throw out one that i saw on reddit that i like oh yeah go ahead go ahead um it's not a, an advantage but i just like the idea although it might make it feel like a hokey cartoon playoffs but since they're playing at disney world if they redo everyone's jersey to be disney jerseys so if you're milwaukee your jersey would be bambi and if you're the Wizards, it would be like the Fantasia, Mickey Mouse, oh, Wizard. Oh, that's cool. It would be, I think it might look cheesy, but at the same time, like people would buy those jerseys. What does that have anything one. to do with home court advantage? No, it doesn't. It was just an idea. And I, I think it's a cool idea, especially if they like sell those jerseys and give the proceeds to whatever charity. That's, that would be, unless you think they're not going to do it, obviously. I, but. Hey, Disney, it's not a bad idea. I mean, Disney is a ABC, so who knows? All right, last one, and then we'll kind of wrap this up. But the and I will. I have an anecdote about this, but an off-court feature in which playoff teams, in order of seeding one through sixteen, receive a first choice on picking which hotel they will stay at <laughs> in the ESPN Wild World of Sports Complex and Disney World Resort. Uh, all the hotels are supposedly good. NBA players are given their own room. They're going to have their family with them. I don't, they're probably going to house each team at different places, right? So, but this is traditionally how you do it in the NCAA tournament. I don't know if you knew this, but when you make the NCAA tournament, the NCAA has the hotels picked out. So like, let's say you're in, let's say we're in LA, right? Let's say the games are being played at Staples Center. All right, we need to be first round games. Let's say it's San Diego. How about that? They're playing at San Diego State or something. The NCAA sends you a packet, and the highest seed gets the best hotel. The next highest seed gets the next best hotel, and it's just on down the list. So you know where you're staying, but it is based on seed in college, and I think that's why they did this. But are they going to let the NBA teams pick? So, like, what are you going to do, Zan? you going to pick, like, the Polynesian Resort or, like <laughs> – I, 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 How would you know? How would these players know? I, I think it's silly. <laughs> what about the idea of, like, you mentioned everyone gets their own room. What if you, you – like a cast system if you're the one seed everyone gets their own suite if you're the eighth seed you're all bunking together on bunk beds um or you give them like an itchy mattress or something or like a lower thread count um i don't know that seems unnecessary to me but i mean whatever you have to pick a hotel so it's fine what about the idea of picking your opponent though because that would be more interesting so they did that in the g league when i was there and people hated it like they literally why why did they hate it because there was too much pressure i have no idea why like i just it just was like people were not a fan of it like they thought it was gimmicky but like i've always thought that like that is sort of like the better option like the highest seed gets to pick the team they want to play then the second highest seed and on down the list because in the NBA matchups are so important. So there are some teams that like, you know, like maybe, maybe the Lakers like feel like they're a better matchup with Dallas. Right. And and I don't know that they would do that. Like, but. no, they wouldn't, but it, you know, it might come out into play if you're the Clippers in round two, do you play, you know, Denver or Houston, let's say like, that's a legitimate debate. Yeah. I, um, I like it. I, I would prefer it because it's like we, my wife and I, mostly my wife watches the show called World of Dance with J-Lo. And they have that feature where it's like the highest scoring team in round one gets to pick their opponent. And it adds a little fuel to it. It adds a little like tension to the mix. Um, the problem is if that's the case, then like you never, you're, the drama is less in the NBA, right? Because like what if the Lakers are like, all right, we're going to pick Houston. I, I think... I think I think most of them would just be scared and would just pick the lowest seed. Pick the lowest seed, yeah. But it, it, you know, in, in like there are certain times where like you might be like in the NHL, it's the same way. Like I think you would pick a team like if you were four zero against them, like why wouldn't you pick them, right? I Even think though the only way it would come into play is like you know, remember like the Rockets? We were talking about the Rockets championship teams in the nineties, like didn't do well in the regular season and were like the fourth or fifth seed. Like you would be scared of that team. Right. As a defending champ, and you probably would treat them like a one or two seed. Um, what I do want to see happen, and it won't, I do, because the West is so close, I would prefer to see the the leagues reseed after the playoff, after each round. Because, like, there's a good chance that, like, Utah could limp into, like, the third seed. Right. 
And like, if they get beat by, you know, whoever the sixth seed is, like, I would prefer to see like them, like the Lakers end up playing the lowest remaining seed. I don't like, they're not going to do that. I don't think, but I think that's the best way to handle it because I do think there may be, I don't think there's going to be any colossal upsets. Like I don't think we're going to see like a one, eight or two, seven upset. I'd be pretty surprised, but I do think that next round and conference finals and on, I think is going to be a bloodbath. I think it's going to be, and second, I agree. And yeah. would would that kind of bum you out actually? Like, because most people root for underdogs, but let's say Orlando knocks off Milwaukee, would you? Yeah, that would like be, that or kind no. of. I mean, no. it'd be cool, but like, in, and it in would a, feel fake. It would feel like in a seven game series, like you know that like those teams. One of the problems I think with upsets in like in in hockey in, in hockey you can do it, but in basketball you really can't. Like in football, if a team gets upset, it's cool because. And the NCAA tournament, like, it's a one-game thing. Like, anybody can keep winning one game. But in basketball, like, Orlando's not going to beat – like, Orlando's not getting to the finals, right? They're not the Knicks in the lockout year where they were very clearly one of the best teams and some stuff happened, some guys got injured, and they snuck in as the eighth seed. Like, that doesn't happen anymore, right? Like, so let's say Orlando beats Milwaukee, and then what do they play? They play the 4-5. or five. They're going to have to play, like, Boston or Indy or Philly. Like, they're not going to beat those teams. So then I'd just rather see Milwaukee, right? Yeah, I, I think like maybe New Orleans could do it or Portland could do it win a couple series if they got really hot, but it seems so unlikely. Right. I think it's more likely right now, let's say Philly's the sixth and Houston's the sixth. Like in this format, like that really benefits those teams. Those two like, teams could win the title for sure. Yeah. It's like now home court doesn't matter. They're kind of sluggish regular season doesn't matter. They're pretty much on par with like the two or three seeds. Yeah. Guys are healthy. They played their players into the ground in the regular season. They got three months to get right. Like they got three months to kind of like think about it. Like you get Joel Embiid where you can actually play him every day for a little while, like which you're not confident about normally. Yeah. Tobias so, Harris maybe likes shooting in Orlando. He played for the Magic. Let's talk more about the, the actual playoff teams next week. But I think the summation, these play-in teams, Portland, has the biggest puncher chance. I agree with you. I, I wrote 17%, but 20%, somewhere in that range is is, yeah. is high to be for an 8-1 matchup. Yeah, like if you're saying um, we think they win that series one out of every five times, maybe if the one seed wasn't the Lakers, they'd have a bigger chance. Yeah, but like I, I think so. I, I mean, like, hey, they made, the, they made the conference finals last year. So, yeah. I mean, it's possible. All right, so uh, that is it for us this week. Next week, we will talk actual maybe, – maybe, I don't know if next week or we'll kick it a week down the road. We are still like – I mean, the NBA is not coming back till July 31st. It's June. We're recording as of June 10th. This will air on June 11th. So we're still a long ways away. We still have a lot of different things to talk about. But uh, at least we're getting close, right? At least we're getting more information. And as more information comes up, especially about like injury information and, and the format yeah, and stuff, right. we will keep you guys updated. And Boogie Cousins, the Boogie Cousins sweepstakes. We'll, we'll talk about that next week, too. Yeah, I want to. We, we got to dive more into like what rosters, what's going to happen with rosters, because there's not going to be like a ton of signings, but they are going to apparently open up maybe another roster spot, maybe some two way guys that could actually kind of push for playing time. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. We'll see. But I am, uh, he is at Zan underscore Ellison on Twitter. Listen to his other show, MTV Challenge Accepted. <laughs> great name, right. great show. By the way, can I say I would I would watch the show? It was heating up. You talk about LeBron being a veteran. Last week on the challenge, we saw a matchup between Johnny Bananas, twenty season vet, went into elimination against Wes, who'd been on the show fifteen times. Yeah, Wes is in it a long time. I'm guessing yeah, you I'm, can't uh, Johnny Bananas West. That's like Milwaukee Lakers right there. I can't wait till well we stop recording. I don't want to give a spoiler, but I can't wait to ask you who won because I have a couple thoughts about it, but. We will be back next week. Email the show, Zandrick Ellison at underscore dot, <laughs> Zandrick Ellison at gmail.com. Uh, and Zan, as always, it's a pleasure. Thanks for listening to the Underdog Sports NBA Show with your hosts, Tyler Laurie and Zandrick Ellison. Tune in next week for more NBA storylines and news.